0: You're listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others.
1: Well, hey, good morning. Happy Monday, Gospel Hope family and others who actually um, uh, decided to follow this uh, podcast. Um, as we mentioned last week, one of the things we wanted to do Um, was just provide a regular platform of being able to further process uh, Sunday's messages into our daily lives. And so um, this is that um, opportunity. And so we're going to be spending some time talking through the message that uh, um, Pastor Ryan preached uh, just yesterday entitled Unintended Effect. So... um, so hey first off off the off the bat, um, I really love the opening illustration there with just kind of the uh, how at some of the theme parks you have the you know, the enormous Mickey Mouse or goofy or whoever, all these characters that are intended to uh, have a great effect on the hearts of children, but indeed kind of frighten them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and really that dynamic of us being afraid of the topic of eschatology or in-time preaching leads me to my first question, which is, I noticed a distinct difference in the tone of the American pulpit today than maybe what it was in the 70s, 80s, and maybe even early 90s. And that is, and, and I wanted you to interact with this. Do you agree that in time preaching and teaching has fallen out of favor today? And if so, why?
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I would agree with that statement that in um, time preaching has fallen out of favor and my essential assessment of it would be, in some ways, that was a healthy dynamic because there were some churches that, you know were making um the end times and their charts and graphs kind of the main thing. And um you know, though everything in the Bible is important, not everything is of equal importance. And uh, the return of Jesus and, how that all comes out matters, but not as much as things like the, the virgin birth, the atoning work of Christ and things like that. So in some ways I think it was a, a healthy dynamic, but we're in one of those cases where probably the pendulum has swung. And unfortunately um, many times you don't hear anything about the return of Christ. So, and I, I would just add, I think that's a, um, It's a great case for really trying to work through texts of scripture and allowing the scripture to set the tone for what you're preaching on. So why did we have a sermon dedicated to the return of Jesus? Because, well, there it was right there in the text. And we didn't have to like think up some series or anything. It was just right there in the middle of the text. So I think this is an important doctrine that needs to be emphasized in the way that the Bible emphasizes it.
1: That's good. Um, Kind of a second follow on to that. You made a statement in the message that death does not win. And just to kind of drill down on that a little bit, you know, what would you say to the person who hears that message, sees that concept in the Bible, wants to believe it? But right now um, they feel particularly confronted with or impacted by their own mortality. I mean, it's real Mm -hmm. right now, whether it be sickness or just death around them or et cetera.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. Y- you know, it it matters um, that that Jesus wins. It it matters that He is the victor in the end. And um, y- y- you know, our our um, view of Christianity would be hopeless ultimately if Christ was not the victor, and if death did not die. Now, having said that, even if you look at the text that we were looking at this Sunday in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, the passage says that you do grieve when you lose loved ones, but you don't grieve without hope. So, I guess my pastoral word to be to somebody that is struggling with their mortality right now is man, yes, this world really is a fearful place. Um, There are scary things that happen in this world. And the Bible never says that we shouldn't grieve. It just says that we should grieve in a distinctly Christian way. That is grieve with hope, ultimately, because we know that for those who believe in Jesus, um, death is only a temporary reality. Now, that doesn't make it pain less, but it does make it have less pain, if that makes sense. It, It doesn't remove all of the grief of death. But it does make us look at death in a distinctly different way than than the world was. I mean, man, I, I was just reflecting on that. Can you imagine being a Thessalonian and, and thinking that, man, when my loved one in Christ dies, that's it. I never see them again. And that's the end. That That's a hopeless reality. But the Bible alleviates that concern from us. So, man, uh, there's always this balance in the Christian life. Like, yes, grieve. Or, or as Paul puts it, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing.
1: Yeah. I, I think about one of the ways that I struggle with the balance is, you know, I viewed, you know, just placing a, such a high premium on God's word, faith and theology. And I, I there are were, there were times when I may not have said this, but I lived as if a really good eschatology is almost like uh, uh, a Kevlar, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. I am not impacted by death it got ice water in my veins. Like, like that does not scare me at all. It's almost like you're trying to conjure a discipline, uh, to say that, all right, my faith isn't real. I'm not really believing the death of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, unless I have just have some kind of just stone face, uh, emotionalist uh, yeah. response to the death of a loved one or even my own mortality. And it's so the Lord is not inviting us when I hear you saying into this daredevil, um, uh, type of mentality toward death. But, um, that it doesn't defeat us. They're just balanced, yeah. balanced. That's right.
0: Well, yeah. and Jesus himself, you know, the perfect human being, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible tells us that he entered emotionally into the world. Like he wept and he was weary and grieved with folks. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Bible is calling us to like a more Jesus, like to be greater than Jesus in one sense. that That's, that's not what's going on. We yeah. experience real pain. And yet Jesus knowing full well that he would return, he would vanquish still entered into the moments of sorrow and loss. So I, I, I think the example of Christ is a great example for us.
1: Amen, amen. So, so hey, uh, all this talk about, we've been throwing this term around eschatology, right? In mm-hmm. uh, times, you know, uh, we're not the only kids on the block in terms of Christianity that talks about that, but eschatology, the word in particular, can seem like uh, insider language, right? And. Mm-hmm discussions of the Lord's return can seem like an insider topic one mm-hmm. uh, that that's just my initial response. should we treat this like family talk or should eschatology and the Lord's return be a part of our intentional disciple making that is the way that I evangelize the way that I talk about the gospel?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's a that's a multi-layered question and it's a great one. While I think the term itself eschatology, is not super critical that people know what it is. It, it comes from the Greek word eschaton, which means like last thing. So eschatology, study of the last things. Um, that's not like a super critical word, uh, but the idea that Jesus will return and that he wins in the end is ultimately critical to any disciple making process because then it matters that we're on the winning team. That Maybe that seems overly reductionistic, but man, if Jesus just died and we kind of got like our fingers crossed that he's going to win, our faith is ultimately just kind of like a, a hopeful reality. And I don't mean hope in the biblical sense of the word, like it's wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. So yes, we should absolutely teach that Jesus will return death and Satan and the devil will ultimately be defeated. We will rule and reign with Christ forever and ever, and we will be with him for all eternity. Those are central tenets to the Christian faith, and they matter deeply to our day-to-day life. So yes, I think we should disciple people into that. Um, is this a outsider um, talk? A- and I would say um, yes, and he- here- here's what I mean by that. Again, I'm not talking about trying to educate unbelievers. Like the first thing you talk to them is, are you pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill? What, what's your position? That That is somewhat irrelevant to your first conversations with somebody who is an unbeliever. Um, but what I am saying is, again, it matters that Jesus wins and that he will bring history to a close. You know, I kind of look at, The reality that we find ourselves in right now, and kind of the obsession in our culture with these uh, dystopian movies and books, uh, this post apocalyptic vision of the future. I see those all over the place. And what it says to me is humanity is consistently like asking the question, how does this all end? How does this all go? Well, we have the answer. We have the answer in the word of God that the end of human history for those who trust in Christ is in the Shakespearean sense. It's a comedy, not a tragedy, meaning there's a good ending. Um, It doesn't end with sorrow and brokenness. It ends with happiness and you watch all of these movies or read all these books and people it's really sorrowful Um, or, but, but the end of the Christian story is glorious. And thankfully that's a true reality.
1: Hmm. Mm. No, no, that's awesome. Uh, so another question here. Um, a lot of people don't know this about you and I, but we have very diverse uh, uh, views on mm-hmm. eschatology. And you mentioned in your message that this isn't designed to get people involved in, you know, going fisticuffs on, you know, the dates, the times, the mechanics and the logistics of of uh, of, uh, of 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 the end times. But you and I are are on. I mean, we, we have a diverse and we and we didn't make this discovery post gospel hope. Like we've known mm-hmm. this uh, about, mm-hmm. what and so what in your mind is it that causes us or allows us to work together? Not even work together. Like we walk together as brothers without division and without debate. I mean, this is not a regular part. Of, like we don't just sit around in the, in the in the car driving up and down the road to <laughs> on the dam yeah. arguing about this. Like it's just. Right. It's not even a part of the fabric of the way we relate to each other. How is right. that
0: possible? Yeah, I, I think the the answer there is that we are striving to display the reconciling hope of the gospel, and and that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that um, we sweep things under the rug, but we try to keep things in perspective. Um, as I said earlier, everything in the Bible is important, but not everything is of equal importance. And I think we need to I'm going to try to unpack this very quickly, but I think we need to learn to use biblical doctrines biblically. Hmm. Here's what I mean by that. When you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, it's very clear from the passage that the effect That this teaching on the end times that Paul wants to have on the Thessalonian believers is encouragement, not division. He's saying, look, read this, think about this. And he says it twice in the passage and encourage one another with these words. Therefore, uh, what that means is any talk about the end times, um, we should be seeking to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. And There are certain things that, yeah, Rod, you and I disagree on, but there are certain things, the main things that we really agree on, like Mm -hmm. Jesus is coming back. He will be, he will be the victor. Death will die. The dead in Christ will rise. We will be united with him. And for me, that's sufficient because that's what the Bible explicitly says. And so I don't think believers need to dot every i and cross every t the same on this you need to think about this issue Mm -hmm. you need to try to understand what you think but understand this is not the same thing as christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day which paul says is of first
1: First. importance
0: so that's kind of my take what what do you think rod why why has this not been an issue
1: for us yeah well, well as you said in the message i mean what are the things that are of maximal importance that that extend directly from the gospel the return of Jesus is real. It's really yeah. going to happen. Uh, the resurrection is real. It's really going to happen, um, and it will happen in such a way that I, we we will be free from um, sin, death, and the devil, which Christ defeated. Those things, re- so those are the those are the things that just the tributaries that that, are, that flow out from the gospel that are undeniable. And if those things are true, um, I can lay aside my my, my logistics and my my time frame, because those are the things that are true. And, and so I was like, well, there's, okay. So let's just agree on logistics. So when we get to heaven and you come up in the line behind me and the Lord is like showing everything that we did, <laughs> I'm gonna look at you and say, ha, ah, I told you so, you know? Right. And that'll be, and then right. we will go back to, you know, throwing our crowns in and worshiping the Lord or whatever right. part two is. Right. Um, hey, remember the Bible says the first would last Ron. So the first one. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> because, yes, yeah. no, The line is in alphabetical order. It's not because I'm trying to. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. All
0: right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, and, and hear me, um, you know, I want to be clear on this so that people that are listening, we're not saying minimize truth, right? What we're saying is keep truth in proper perspective. Um, and and that takes maturity, it takes wisdom, it takes relationship. But we're not saying, hey, you know, if you disagree on a doctrine with somebody, it's no big deal. Well, it might be a big deal. Right. But there's certain doctrines where it's completely fine to disagree with church history bears that out. Um, just the way we read scripture bears that out, where good brothers in Christ, good sisters in Christ can disagree on secondary matters.
1: Yep. Amen. I uh, mean, I that's that's just a good word in terms of just again the reconciling hope and its power in the gospel because I think one of the one of the things that we have before us today is there's a there's somewhat of a brewing division in the church on how to effectively respond to the issues of race that are breaking out in our culture. There's some Absolutely there's some name calling, there's some categorization being laid down and uh, there's some analysis and critique that is resulting in a reluctance to really move forward in the gospel in a meaningful way that really advances the gospel and demonstrates how it is applicable to racial reconciliation or reconciliation and our reconciliation with God, because we have decided to go to our respective corners and figure out how to win an mm-hmm. argument right. against our brother on what is an appropriate expression mm-hmm. of gospel application to to racial reconciliation. And so, that's tragic. Um, but our Lord is always the master chess mover. So he's got a grace, uh, for us in this time. So, um, yeah, that's right. Amen, amen.
0: So yeah, I think part of, part of reconciliation, just a party shot yeah. is treating your brothers and sisters with charity, holding to the truth, keeping them in perspective and then treating your brothers and sisters with charity and trying to carefully say, um, what is what is the biblical truth, and what are secondary and even tertiary issues that, that good brothers and sisters may not see eye to eye, but we're going to treat one another with charity in the midst of that.
1: Amen, amen. Wait, well, hey, I don't have any other questions. Uh, just uh, in response to to Sunday's message, is there anything that you kind of feel like, uh, man? I want to, I want to just, I want to double click as one of our good friends in the faith uh, uh, would say on, on this particular topic, since we got the time.
0: Yeah. Um, I think this reality that um, we really can be um, ready and that at the coming of Christ, we will obtain salvation. I I was just that was a fresh encouragement in my heart that the Bible says that I has not seen nor ear heard nor mind comprehended what God has prepared for those who love his appearing. And look, the the return of Christ and the salvation that Jesus will, like, inaugurate at that point is mind-blowing. And I think that gives us ballast, particularly in seasons of suffering, where um, we need to remember that what is in store for us is better than anything that you can imagine. It's better than the greatest vacation in the world it's better than the all expenses paid trip. It's better than the greatest experience. It's better than anything that this world has to offer because it's created by God. I think sometimes we have this conception of heaven and eternity with God is like one long, boring church service. And that's just not the reality, yeah. the picture that the Bible paints. It, I think forever our minds will be blown mm-hmm. by the greatness of God. In Ephesians 2 It says that in ages to come, he will show us the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness in toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, heaven has to be forever because forever it will be getting better and better and better. Or as C.S. Lewis put it at the end of the last battle, we will forever be going further up and further in to the greatness and the glory of God. Heaven will never get old. Uh, The presence of Jesus will never get boring. It will be better and better. And I think that gives us hope hope for lack of a better word in the midst of a world that is deeply broken and in midst of living with ourselves who are deeply broken, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. I'm just confronted every day of how much I need Christ to rescue me from my sin.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and, uh, man, you said something there, and I know we got to close here, but when you talk about the unending glory of heaven where our minds have been constantly blown, you can see how we are, wired for that kind of experience because we are not satisfied unless the next big thing is coming out, right? I mean, we are Mm -hmm. anticipating the new release of something Mm -hmm. with our latest technology, the download that will enhance our computer and our online experience, uh, the next season of our favorite show. Like, we are people that are infatuated with the next thing because nothing Mm -hmm. is ever good enough. But when we see Christ face to face, we'll finally be at a place where his ever-ending or never-ending uh, goodness um, will, will satisfy that part of our heart that yearns for new and next. So, um, Amen. I mean, I'm Amen. encouraged even now. So um, yeah. let's be out, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> well, hey, thank you uh, for spending time with us in, in God's word and uh, thank you, Gospel Hope, and uh, uh, all those who tune into this, we pray that this has been an encouragement for you. And uh, until next time, um, we'll see you. See you, Gospel Hope.
0: Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out GospelHopeChurch.com.